Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to the Peter King Podcast. So happy you can join me. It's going to be an action-packed pod. A lot going on in the NFL. We're going to touch on three newsy NFL subjects. And then we're going to get to our guest. A very good guest this week. Joel the record-breaking safety of the Seattle Seahawks, joins us from Seahawks headquarters in Renton, Washington. And then we will be joined by Frank Wright, the coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, his Colts have uh, <laughs> gone from, they had a 17-point lead in Pittsburgh. I, I got to hand it to Frank Wright for joining me after what happened to the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. But he will uh, be on to discuss their situation. And uh, so two very good guests this week. Before we get to the guests, three quick comments to make about events that are happening and unfolding right now in the NFL. Number one, Ben Roethlisberger will not play in the season finale for the Pittsburgh Steelers at Cleveland. And of course, that has tremendous playoff implications because Mason Rudolph playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers at Cleveland in a game the Browns have to have most likely to have their guys, including Jarvis Landry, back from the close contact COVID list. So you got to like Cleveland knowing that Ben Roethlisberger will not play. As I say, huge playoff impact because Miami, Baltimore, Tennessee, Indianapolis, and Cleveland, all 10 and 5, one of those teams, they're all deserving playoff teams, will not make the playoffs and now it appears that uh uh you know cleveland is going to be in probably the best shape of any of them uh they got to face the steelers without uh ben roethlisberger and and so to me i think that's okay and i talk about this with frank reich a bit i think that's okay your job if you're mike tomlin is not to play Ben Roethlisberger if his time is best suited rehabbing and trying to get better from the Knicks of a long season. So I think that's fine. It's just one of those things that is going to happen in a week 17. Number two, uh, I find the, uh, the Dwayne Haskins story to be one of these, well, that escalated quickly. Uh, obviously, in the span of eight days, Dwayne Haskins goes from being the starting quarterback of Washington, who went to a, a strip club, to be undisciplined by the NFL and to be what I consider to be lightly disciplined by Washington, allowed to play in the game, played horribly, and then got cut on Monday. I don't like the optics of this at all. First of all, the NFL did nothing. Second of all, that you know, it, we're going to let you play in the game, even though you've done this thing, which theoretically could have spread COVID throughout uh, the Washington team. So uh, I think Washington did the right thing. I think they did it a week too late. And finally, a lot of talk right now about Urban Meyer and the National Football League. Justifiably so. Urban Meyer is a great coaching candidate. And I would be interested in talking to him if I had an, a coaching vacancy. However, and it's a big however, uh, Urban Meyer at the age of 46, 47, and 54, 
three times in his coaching career has retired at least twice, uh, you know, citing health reasons. So my only question about Urban Meyer is not, I think you should fact find about it. And I think you should look into him. But I'd have a real problem hiring a guy who has retired three times uh, for whatever reason, you know, health reason, most notably, uh, before the age of, of 56. And now you're interested in having him coach the NFL team. And the one other thing is, look at Nick Saban as an example. Nick Saban signed a five-year contract to coach uh, the Miami Dolphins in 2005. And at the end of 2006, he goes to Wayne Huizenga, the owner of the team, and said, I want out. I want to go back to Alabama. It's, I mean, you know, when you look at college football, Urban Meyer, you know, basically got let go slash retired slash resigned, whatever it was, out of Florida after going seven and five. You know, if you're two games over 500 in the NFL, most often you've had a good year. And in the college at a high level, you get fired. So all I'm saying is, you know, I look at Nick Saban as an example to say a lot of college coaches who go to the NFL don't succeed. And they end up either back in college football or retired or whatever. And so I I would just have a lot of skepticism. Not to say I wouldn't hire him, but I would do an awful lot of vetting. So those are my three thoughts on quick events around the NFL this week. I want to get into our first guest, Jamal Adams. Join me uh, on Monday of this week. We recorded a conversation, a lot of interesting things uh, in that discussion. I think you're going to enjoy it. So let's head out to Renton, Washington, and Jamal Adams. Happy to be joined on the podcast by Jamal Adams, uh, the safety of the Seattle Seahawks, the safety of the playoff-bound NFC West champion Seattle Seahawks, which I know is absolutely music to Jamal Adams' ear. And uh, Jamal, thanks a lot for joining me. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Appreciate you. So, uh, you know, the one thing that occurs to me about your situation, I want to talk football for a second, Mm -hmm. is I'm watching your game in week 16 against uh, the Rams. And you made a play to get to tackle Daryl Henderson from behind that saved a touchdown. And you ran basically across the field from the right side of your defensive formation. And you know what I thought of immediately? There's a play in the Super Bowl 20 years ago when the Ravens played the Giants that Ray Lewis ran about halfway across the field to catch Tiki Barber from behind, and he never saw him coming. Right. So I want to ask you a little bit about whether – you have modeled yourself and your game after any people like that. When you're a kid, you're watching Ray Lewis. Right. Do you look at him and say, I want to do it like that? You know, uh, well, you know, Ray, 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 you know, he's a great friend of mine. He's a brother of mine. And I have so much respect for that guy. The way he played the game, um, the way he approached the game, uh, how he led his troops. Um, how he, you know, he always played hard. It didn't matter, um, you know, if he was the fastest, if he was the, the, the tallest, if he was the strongest. One thing that always stuck, stuck out to me about Ray was his effort. You know what I mean? And growing up, I've always kind of was taught, you know, as far as effort is the main key to the game of football. You know, effort gets you seen, right? And you know, effort for me, gets you seen. You said it gets you seen, correct? Yeah. Yes, sir. And um, when I say it gets you seen, it gets you it gets you seen in a positive light. You know, in, from from football fans, from people that have played the game, who came before you, whatever. Um, because it, it pops out on the on the screen, it, it, and film doesn't lie. So it tells you, you know, what type of character that I have. Um, it shows you how much this game means to me. Um, and, and it also shows you that, you know, I'm all about grit and, and, and whatever it takes, you know, whatever it takes to win. 
I'm all about winning. And, you know, just making that play, you know, from the backside um, in a crucial moment that we needed, um, there was no way that I was going to let, you know, him walk into the end zone. I had a great angle, uh, got a great, you know, jump off the ball um, and chased him down. But Ray, Ray is definitely somebody that I've always, you know, uh, looked up to as far as how he played the game. I've had so much respect for him uh, since I was a kid. Um, and, and I obviously had a jersey of Ray, um, you know, Troy Palomalu, Ed Reed, Sean Taylor, Bob Sanders. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on of great football players um, that have came before me. Um, and, and I never really tried to be like anybody. I always wanted to be myself, be the best version of Jamal Adams. Um, and, you know, my, my role model was my father, right? And I always thought my father was the best thing smoking. And, you know, I, I still do to this day, no matter what um, type of career he had, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of negative, obviously, due to injury. And um, that, that will always be my role model. That will always be my goal. So I always wanted to be the best version of myself. And I always wanted to kind of take bits and pieces of everybody's game that came before me, those guys that I mentioned, and try to, like, create that one guy, right, and, and be me. So... I have so much respect for those guys that came before me. And obviously I just, you know, I'm all about winning, man. So whatever it takes, if, if, if I have to chase down a, a guy from the backside, I'll do it. If I, if, if, if it's going to mean we're going to get the win, that's all that matters to me. I don't care about individual accolades. I don't care about picks. I don't care about tackles. I don't care about sacks. I just care about winning. So, uh, man, I just, I, again, man, I have so much respect for, for people that came before me. Jamal, what's so interesting about that play, if you think about it now, okay, so 20 years from now, when people look at that game and they look at the stat sheet for that game, that will be recorded as a tackle, 100%. okay? And it was a tackle <laughs> after after Daryl Henderson gained three yards. Correct. So it really is not – it doesn't look like the play of the game. Right. That is the play of the game because then you guys hold them – four downs right. and they can't get in the end zone. The game is over. Right. You're up 13 to six. If they score, they tie the game and right. who knows what happens. Correct. That is the play of the game, which is why so often statistics lie. And right. what you just said, <laughs> I think is such an important part of football. Right. Yeah. You know, again, you know, you just can't, you can't, um, you can't get caught up in what, you know, people say about you, right? You know, we're playing a tough game. Um, we're playing a game that, 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 that really makes you reach down and, and find out who you are as a person. And, and it shows on the field each and every Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whatever it is, doesn't matter. Uh, when you go out there and you strap on your helmet, you go to work. You know, it, you, know you just need a blade of grass. And we always, we always talk about defending every blade of grass, right? And, and whatever it takes, man, one, one, one yard line, it didn't matter. I knew, I knew how important that series, that series was. They were driving the ball. We was tired. Um, you know, we was just trying to get off the field, trying to get the ball back to our offense, obviously. And uh, man, it was, it was, it was a crucial, crucial play. And I remember, um, you know, when I did make the play, I got up and I, I was beating on my chest and I told him, <laughs> I told, I told the Rams sideline, I said, that's a big time play. I said, I'm really, I, I t matter of fact, I told him, I said, I'm a dog. I'm really, I said, I'm a dog. I'm really like that. Right. And, uh, you know, they, I, I heard a couple of people, ah, shut up, you know, first down, first down, first down. And I was like, okay. And so then when we did get the stop, I, I could only imagine what they're thinking, like, damn, he really made that play and told us that was a big time play and we didn't get it, we didn't even get it in. The 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 momentum shift from the Rams to back to us after getting that, that fourth down stop as the defense, nothing like it. That changed the game. That fourth down that fourth down fourth down stand as a defense changed the game. You know, I don't like to give myself credit. Um, you know, from, from, from the chase down, it was a hell of a play. Uh, but that fourth down stop, all four of those downs, that's the hell of that, that one yeah. game for, for us, you know what I mean? So I, I, I give so much credit to the guys that I go to work with. So I want to ask you, this is not 
a common question I wouldn't think that that you probably get a lot of but Mm -hmm. I wonder what was it like for you let's say in August going to work every day uh, or, or you know say a year ago going to work every day when you're really only playing for the games that you're playing you're not really playing for the postseason because right. with the Jets the team wasn't good enough versus today what is the difference in playing football like for you this year versus last year and your whole time with the Jets yeah it's meaningful you know what I mean you have you have you have the respect of the league. Um, you still have your guys and people that say that, you know, the Seahawks aren't that good or the defense isn't that good or the offense isn't rolling. You still have the, the naysayers, right? But the good thing about it is you have a chance. And that's all that matters, man, is you have a chance in the postseason. Um, you know, I, like I had the interview after the Jets. Uh, I mean, after the Washington game, I want to say, um, and, you know, obviously I was so happy that we made the postseason. It was my first time. And, um, you know, people were like, oh, man, act like you've been there. Well, the, the problem is I haven't been there. So I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> I have to enjoy it. And I'm going to enjoy it regardless. You know what I mean? Because it's hard to win in this league, man. And it's hard to get to the postseason. Like, people don't understand, like, it's not easy, right? It's, it's not easy, especially not in our division. Our division is the best of the best, right? And, and, and San Fran, they've been beat up and hurt. Uh, we've been beat up and hurt. Um, 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 Arizona and, and, and the Rams, you know, everybody's had their, their share of injuries. But, man, it's, it's a hard division to win. And, and you, have to, you have to celebrate that. I'm, I'm never going to not celebrate the achievements of the team. Like, you have to celebrate that, man. So that was, that was a big-time win. And that was a big-time, you know, uh, uh, finished the way we we finished that game. So um, you you just gotta you gotta stay focused on the mission. You can't let the outside distract you. And um, obviously, you know, a lot of people, you know, say what they want to say about me. Either it's it's for me, it's either you love me or you hate me. There's no in between. And I'm okay if you hate me. There's no love loss. Uh, I, God bless you. But I'm gonna keep being me, and I'm gonna forever be me. And that was the first thing that when 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 Seattle traded for me. Pete told me, he said, come here and be you. And when he said that, it was kind of like a shocker uh, because I was kind of like on eggshells, walking on eggshells at times, you know, uh, with my previous team. And, uh, you know, when, he, when, I, when I got over here, I was kind of doing the same thing at first because I didn't know if he was serious. And he's yeah. dead serious. He, he's all about second chances. He's all about people being themselves. And he gives, he put, he makes a, he created an environment around the building that you can be yourself and you don't have to change for anybody. He wants the best version of you and he wants you to be the greatest you. So I have so much respect for, for, for Pete and the staff and uh, uh, Snyder. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's unbelievable. I, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a happy place. Uh, I, I'm so fortunate enough and, and so blessed to, you know, call this my home now. And um, you know, it's only the start, man. And, and you just got to keep going. And I always say the marathon continues. Jamal, when you wake up in the morning right now, ready to go to work, how different is your life going to work for a team in the playoffs than going to work for a team playing out the string? Well, waking up, you know, it feels a lot better, you know, when your body is hurting, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, you know, it's the sacrifice that we make, man. We, we understood, um, you know, as individuals, you know, when, when you decide to pick up a, the, the football, you know, you understand what comes with it. You know, you understand what, what you're going to put your body through. And, um, you know, I, I know one thing for certain is when I'm done playing the game that I love, I, I know I'm going to give it my all. I knew, I knew I gave it my all, right? And I'm going to be I'm gonna be at peace with that because I promised myself, you know, when I did get hurt, um, you know, and I missed those four weeks and, and, I mean, those four games and came back, you know, uh, my faith has grew. Um, from the man upstairs and, and, and I wanted to get better with him. And I told him, you know, next time I get, if you get me back on the field uh, quickly as possible, um, because I was going through it, man. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of long nights, a lot of sad nights, a lot of happy nights, but I told him, you know, when you get me back on that field, I'm going to give it my all every play, every game. I'm going to give it back to you every, every time. And 
um, you know, that that's just what I've been doing and, and I won't stop. You know what I mean? Because he's, he's undefeated. When you put your faith into God, uh, when, when, when you, when you understand uh, what's your purpose in life, he'll guide you. He just wants some time with you and he wants to walk life with you. And I'm so, I'm so f forever grateful for that, for the opportunity to be, you know, a part of this, you know, unique uh, uh, organization. Mentally right now, what is your mindset going into a game versus going into a game for the Jets? Are you a different person, do you think? Not a different person at all. You know what I mean? I, I've always been a guy that's going to give it his all no matter what. I'm still going to talk noise. Even if we're losing, I'm still going to – like, I, it's just me. I'm a competitor, man. I'm an ultimate competitor, and I want to win. You know what I mean? I hate losing. I'm a sore loser. Uh, but, you know, when you do lose, you got to learn from it. Right. And, and you got to You got to take it. You got to take it under the chin and you got to you got to learn, learn from your mistakes and move on. But at the end of the day, I'm going to come back and I'm not going to fail. I, I won't fail. I refuse to fail uh, because I want it that bad. Right. And, and, you know, as long as I, you know, uh, continue to learn, which I will, I, because I always tell people, you know, they like younger guys. Um, always ask me for advice and I always say, man, the day you stop learning is the day you die. And I just feel like that, that, that's, that, that holds value because in life, if you don't continue to learn and you feel like you know everything, it's not going to go good for you. You got to continue to learn. So I'm, I always pride myself on, on that and I'll, and I'll never change who I am as a, as a person on and off the field uh, because I enjoy what I do. We make, we make king money, but play a kid's game. Jamal, you uh, you talked openly of feeling bouts of depression uh, in your right. NFL career before uh, you got to Seattle, and I wonder how much do you think losing had to do with that, and do you mentally feel different today than you did eight, ten, twelve months ago when you were on the New York Jets? Yeah, you know, I, I think losing was what took a toll on me, right? And, and then it was just the mindset um, of the organization and, and where it was going. You know, I didn't like – one thing that bothered me the most, man, was hearing the whole rebuild thing. I couldn't stand a rebuild. I couldn't stand that word. I, I, I it, it, it really, really – it was it was just a horrible word. I couldn't I couldn't stand it. Every why time why it, is it why was it why was it horrible if indeed they're it, rebuilding? Because because I wasn't I wasn't you, you don't you don't in this in this whole hey Lane, can I Lane, can you uh hold this brother? In this sorry, sorry, Mr. King. Yeah. Um in this in this profession, man, you don't um uh, thank you, man. You don't um you don't know when your last play is gonna be. Right. And you don't you don't understand um, or you don't you don't you don't know when your career is going to end. You don't know how long you got and you have to master this short window. You only have a short window in this profession. Right. And I felt like I had no time to waste. I don't like right. wasting time. Right. I want to win. I'm in this to win. I'm not in this to you know, sugarcoat anything. I'm not in this to, you know, tell you, oh, I'm here for the rebuild. I'm, I'm not, I couldn't do it because that's not how I'm wired. I'm wired to win. I'm an ultimate competitor. I want to win. So I couldn't do that. And I couldn't fight the, 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 the rebuild, should I say? I couldn't, I couldn't fight that with those guys. I, I did it for three years. I tried, but it was taking so much, it was taking so much from me and it was affecting me out in my outside life. And that's when I knew I said I could I can't do it anymore. I, I, when it was affecting my relationships with my loved ones, it was affecting how I was going about business, um, you know, uh, mentally, and how I had to walk in to work with headphones on, with positive music just to get me going. I knew it was time for me to leave. And some people can sit there and and rebuild and and go through the phases of that, but. I couldn't do it. And I'm man enough to say I couldn't do it. I wanted to win. And it's simple as that. Simple as that, man. You know what? It's so interesting about this because, look, you know, you got what you want. Okay. You went to a right. contender. 
And honestly, the Jets, they got a good deal. They got two ones 100%. and a three. Right. They got pieces to rebuild. Right. So I in my opinion, everybody lives happily ever after. A hundred percent. But you'll never you'll never it don't matter what you get, you'll never get a Jamal Adams. <laughs> you'll never get a Jamal Adams. And they and they, and they know that. They yeah. know it. Jamal, I want to ask you one other thing that really interests me about your year, okay? Yes, sir. In early June, I'm sitting there, and I see this video come up uh, around the time of the George Floyd murder, a week or so after that. Mm-hmm. And it's all these NFL players. And, and I have to tell you, I was covering the New York Giants the day your father was drafted, okay? Okay. So I have been covering the NFL since 1984. Okay. <laughs> you you <So>, ultimate pro. <laughs> so back in the day, I, yes, I was sir. covering the NFL before you were even a thought. Absolutely. But, but anyway, I tell you that because never in my life have I seen a great safety like Jamal Adams, a great quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, a great receiver like Michael Thomas, NFL royalty. I appreciate saying that. things like, uh, and I'll say what you said. You said, uh, we, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. Yeah. And then you did this. Yeah. You did the, 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 the Tommy Smith, John Carlos, yeah. the black power salute. Right. And I just, I look back at that moment and I said, that was really a, meaning, a meaningful moment mm-hmm. in NFL history. Tell me 100%. what you think about it and what you thought of it when you were approached to do that. Right. You know, for me, man, it was, uh, you know, I, 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 I've always been raised to do what's right by my mother and my father. But my, I'll give my mother the credit if she hears this because she's not going to like it if I give my father all the credit, right? So. <laughs> give your so father give, the football credit. Right, I give, give your him the football. The yeah, I get, I give, I give mom the the off the field. So, um, my mother always, you know, told me to, you know, do what's right, voice your opinion. If you feel it's wrong, speak up, right? And I've always lived like that. I've always, you know, been very blunt about my opinion. If if it's wrong, I'm going to speak about it. If I don't like it, I'm going to speak about it. Um, and, you know, that's just who I am. So I knew going into it with the black movement um, that it was just wrong. And it's been going on for years. It's been going on. I, I remember countless times uh, being in high school, being in, in middle school, um, you know, being called the N-word and, and, and hearing the N-word. And, you know, I, I've, I've, I've dealt with it. You know, I've I had to you know, fight it. It was, it was, it was more so don't react because you're a young black man that got a lot going for yourself. Don't react um, because you could get in trouble and you could cost your career. So I had to bite that apple for a So long, you buried it for a long time. I buried it for a long time, a long time. There's so many stories, so many people I still remember to this day that have said racial you know, slurs towards me or towards my friends, whatever the case may be. And, you know, this was something that I knew what was right. And I, I'll continue. I, obviously, um, you know, when, when um, you know, every, every game, you know, I'm always holding up my fist, right? Because I am happy to be a black man. I'm happy to, to be who I am. I'm proud. And, I, and I'm going to I'm going to always voice my opinion of how proud I am to be a black man. So going into it, I knew this was the right thing to do. We needed change. Right. We needed we needed to, to shift the, the narrative. Right. And we're still working towards that goal. We're, we're, we're not there yet, but we're still working towards the goal each and every day. And we're 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 teaching. That's the main thing. We're teaching people what is right, what they didn't see. Or whatever the case may be, right? So, going into it, I'm 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 all about doing the right thing, voicing my opinion, and doing it in in a, in a, in a manner that it's 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 uh, how should I say this? It's it's being it's being seen. It's 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 a manner that people are gonna listen to. You have to listen to it because he's speaking about it. And he's very prideful and he's passionate about it, right? 
So it was it was it was something that was tough uh, uh, going through it. I, I, I've gotten a lot of DMs about it, um, a lot of negative. I've been called the N word multiple times. I've been called every name in the book when I asked for a trade. So, you know, I was used to it. <laughs> so it is what it is. But, man, you know, uh, I'm, I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud that I that I took that stand and, and I voiced my opinion. Um, and, and through the national anthem, I always hold up my fist because I'm proud. I, I want people to see I'm proud. I'm proud to be a black man. That's what I want them to see. He's, he's proud to be who he is. And that, that's what I was about. So the black movement is still going on and we're still, you know, continuing to teach people what's, what, what it's about. And, um, you know, we're, we're, making, we're making some leaps and, and that's all that matters. Jamal Adams, listen, I really appreciate you taking the time insightful stuff fun to talk to you good luck the rest of the way and see if you can play deep into january okay yeah that's the plan mr king i appreciate you as always man god bless you brother thank you man teats and watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever what's that mean it means never cutting corners ever it means cooking not processing it means our virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection then twice baked to layer the flavors it takes more time but you can taste the difference we come to work every day to do it the right way even if it's the hard way because if it's not right for us it's not right for you Deets and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, Frank Reich. You know, Frank, you got some incredible competition in the uh, AFC playoff race. First, how have you dealt with your team knowing that not only do you have to play well and win on Sunday against Jacksonville, but you need help? Yeah, Peter, um, it's been easy because it's, it's been let's focus and channel all of our energy towards Jacksonville. Obviously, everything else is out of our control. Um, we, we all know what we need to happen and what has to happen, but it, it starts, every scenario starts with us taking care of business and having a great week against Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you just a little bit about, <clears throat> you're in week 16, you play the Pittsburgh Steelers, you've got a 17 point lead, you lose the lead and you lose the game, which really changes your season. Take me from the locker room after the game, how you handled it with your team, plane ride home, and then how do you deal with it the first couple days of this week? Yeah, no, it's tough. So in the locker room after the game, it, it's, you know, it's you deal with reality. You know, one thing about players, um, you, you can't blow smoke at players. They're so smart and so savvy so you just gotta you just gotta do and we just dealt with the straight hey this was a tough loss um you know we lost we we had control of our own destiny now it's out of our control but what we can do is we need to finish the year off we need to continue to believe and have conviction and belief and love and respect for one another and finish this the right way and stay optimistic and positive about what's going to happen because there's a lot of good scenarios. And all those, again, all those scenarios start with us finishing strong. And we believe we have a special team, Peter. And so that's been the approach. And then, so you go from the locker room and, and it wasn't negative at all. It wasn't, Hey guys, it wasn't yelling, screaming, rant that we lost a 17 point lead and we're halfway through, through the third quarter. It, it's, Part of the answer was they got a future Hall of Fame quarterback who got hot. Uh, they got a number one defense who got hot. So 
Um, it wasn't good enough on our part. We acknowledge that, admit that. And now you're riding home on the plane. And it's just watching the tape on the plane. Um, and then getting back Monday and Tuesday, really, you know, you're, you're looking for answers. You know, you're looking for answers. You say, well, ha- what just happened? Feels like a nightmare. Feels like a nightmare. Well, what I said around here, what I told our guys today was, while what happened was, it's like anything else, it's complicated. A lot of moving parts, a lot, the way you lose a lead at 24 to seven, midway through the third quarter, there's a lot of reasons. Here's the one way to simplify it. Everybody take responsibility. Each of us take responsibility, coaches, players, for doing our job better. All we needed in the second half of that game was a stop on defense or one more touchdown drive, just offensively as coaches and players, one more drive defensively as coaches and players, one stop. Somewhere from the middle of the third quarter on, we just needed one. And we only needed it on one side of the ball or the other, and we just weren't able to produce that. So now we now we focus our energies um, towards Jacksonville. So now we take Monday and Tuesday, and we're virtual, right? I mean, we're in our virtual world. So we're all at home studying. We come in and test on Monday. Um, as For me, I come in, I, you can see I'm still in my office here today. As coaches, you know, we're not allowed to meet as coaches in the office. So we got to, we got to stay socially distant. So I come into the office on Monday and Tuesday mornings and I work from here for about half the day or sometimes till six o'clock um, by myself in the office, literally don't go out of this, this room, I'm watching tape, meeting on zoom, you know, with coaches on Monday, we meet with the players today, review the film today with the players. And again, really channel all of our energy to learning from the film, and then directing it towards Jacksonville. So Matt Eberflus, your defensive coordinator, if you want to have a conversation with him, you, you seriously, you either have to do it by phone or by video conference? Absolutely. Um, I mean, <laughs> th- these are it's serious stuff. I mean, and, and even Peter, if even if he were in his office, uh, you know, which is 20 feet away, um, you know, we, we, we meet by Zoom and We've been doing that all year, basically. Um, we've been do- we have all of our staff meetings, all of our staff meetings. You know, even before Monday and Tuesday were virtual. You know, every morning at seven forty-five, we have a staff meeting. We can all be in the building, but we're all sitting in our office. Is it? Do you roll your eyes at all these rules, or do you respect them? Respect them, complete respect. I mean, this thing is real. Um, we're trying to do our part. We realize, you know, that we're part of the National Football League, that we have a big responsibility, not only to each other in this league, but also, you know, to the public, to the fans, to this is such a great game. And so many people, you know, this this game is so big. We, we have a chance to be leaders. We have a chance to be leaders, to be role models. So um, we respect the rules and, and abide by them and trying to do the best we can. Um. Do you find yourself at all personally, I know you preach to your team, but as we record this late Tuesday afternoon, um, just within the last hour or so has come out that Mike Tomlin is not going to play Ben Roethlisberger against Cleveland this weekend. That is one of the teams that if you win, you need that team to lose this weekend to Pittsburgh. So, do you find yourself spending time saying darn it or anything like that? Or do you ignore it? Um, you spend about 10 seconds doing that, you know, being, but we kind of knew that going in. I mean, uh, you know, we kind of knew that going in and know some people at Pittsburgh at after the game kind of clued us in afterwards that that was something that they were considering um, had they won the game. So, you know, our, our players and coaches are good. We made our bed. We got to lay in it, as they say. Um, we don't like it. So, you know, you see that at first you, you hope that they think that they play everybody. But reality is that that's just what you have to subject yourself to when you don't take care of your own business. Yeah, the interesting thing about that, and I've often thought this, Frank, that, you know, you if, if you were in their position and let's say, Philip Rivers had two or three things that, you know, his ankles bothering him. He's got a sore shoulder, so whatever. You would say, what's the best thing for the Indianapolis Colts? 
And, you know, you probably really wouldn't care what team X, Y, and Z thought. Uh, and so really there's, I think your attitude is right. You made your bed, you've got to lay in it and every team has to do what they think is best for them. No doubt. I was talking to one of our coaches today and he asked me that question. He said, well, what would you do? You know, he was just asking my, what would I do? And I said, I do what's best for our team. And it would be a case by case, a player by player situation. Uh, just like you said, if you had a player who's dealing with a couple things and needs something, you rest them. Um, if you've earned the lot, you've earned that right to rest them. So um, I have no problem with it. You know, Frank, at the start of the year, when the NFL went to seven playoff teams per conference, most people thought, well, this is great. Now you're going to be able to make sure that every team that deserves it is going to get in it. But this year, a 10 and 6 team in the AFC is not going to get in. You think that's just fluky? I think it's fluky. It's as you know, there's a chance that an 11 and 5 team doesn't get in. Um, yeah, and that, that could be us. Um, you know, now of course we believe we're going to get in. But if 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 we all win, if the four teams that uh, four teams that we're talking, you know, I mean, if the four teams that we need to lose, if they all win, Tennessee. Uh, the Browns, um, Miami, uh, Baltimore, and, and, and Baltimore. If they all win, and and we win, we're eleven and five, and we're and we're watching the playoffs. Now, we're. I, I believe we. Not, I, I know we have a good football team. We're ten and five. We're we're gonna attack this last week. We're gonna. We're gonna work hard. We believe we're on our way to eleven wins. Um, and we believe that's going to be enough. I mean, like you said, Peter, at the beginning when they when they at the beginning of the year when they moved the thing to seven teams, you could also say there could be some people saying, "Gee, this is, we might get some seven and nine teams in here with another." And, and now you're looking at a team that could be a ten or eleven win team not getting in. And I think it's I think it's fluky, but it's part of the intrigue and the mystery and what's great about this league. And um, I'm just glad we're in it. I'm just glad we're in a spot where we got it. We got a really, we feel like we got a really good chance, but it starts with us playing well this week. I wanted to ask you a few things about your own team. So at the beginning of the year, uh, you obviously bring Philip Rivers back. And when you bring Rivers back, first five games, he's okay. He's thrown five interceptions in the first five games. And he's not playing great. And since then, you know, it's 19 touchdown passes, four interceptions. Uh, he's really been terrific. Has there been some line of demarcation for Philip Rivers that once he got over whatever hump it was, he started playing to the level that you knew he would? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think it was, uh, again, a little complicated in that, as you said, in those first four or five games, um, there was a lot of things that he did really well. For example, um, his completion percentage was off the charts. Um, I, I think he had three, his first three or four games, he was at 75% completion percentage. More than that, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. I think it might have been 78 or something like that. And really the only thing, the biggest negative in those games, Peter, was, as you said, some turnovers. Um, and like anything, were a couple of those, you know, mistakes that he made. Yeah, but not all those turnovers, you know, are all on him. You're the quarterback, so they're partly on you. But um, a couple of them were fluky. One or two of them were fluky. And, um, you know, Philip, I think, would have himself and, and has said, you know, that Cleveland was the one game that he felt like, you know, maybe not, maybe not his personal best outing. Well, that's going to be true for every quarterback in this league is going to have one game or two games where they say, yeah, this will maybe a little bit subpar for me. Um, but since that game, I mean, the guy has been unreal, accurate, um, decision-making, uh, great leadership in the locker room, on the field, um, making all the right checks at the line of scrimmage. I mean, tough i'm just making play after play when we need it in the clutch he's been fantastic what's interesting about getting a you coached him obviously a few years ago 
with the Chargers. And I'm, I'm really interested to know when you get that reunion, when that happens again, what exactly is it like? Had anything changed in the intervening years? That's funny you say that. I mean, we're, you know, we're all the way, this regular season is almost over and there's not a week that goes by that we don't make reference to what we did together. We've done this already together. Remember when we did this? Remember when we did that? Hey, remember when we talked about this? Remember that meeting? That unites us. And, you know, and then we got Nick Seriani, our offensive coordinator, who's brilliant. And, you know, he, we were all together. And then Nick was, uh, when I went on to Philadelphia, Nick stayed in San, in San Diego and LA with Philip for two more years. So it really made this strange 2020 year with COVID. It's what made it work for us. Now I know Brady's having the success in a whole new system, you know, an older, great quarterback, but for us, you know, part of the success that we've had with Philip and the way he's playing is it's been phenomenal. And it's been great to get back together because the offense is still relatively the same and it just makes that transition a whole lot easier. You know, I want to ask you one thing about a little bit about history, because you obviously you stepped into a difficult situation when you first got to Indianapolis uh, after Josh McDaniels did not take the job. And I think everybody looked at this situation and said, man, this is this is going to be tough. Frank Reich is basically taking on several coaches who you had not necessarily planned to take if you ever got a head coaching job. And yet, I'm not saying they're dumped in your lap, but it's kind of an arranged marriage. And everything, every time we have talked about it, you really have liked your, you like your coaching staff. And what has that been like when you take on, let's say, a Matt Eberflus, let's say, as your defensive coordinator, and now you're, whatever, almost, you're 47 games into it. Tell me what it's been like. Um, You know, it's been a process, and it's been a, a learning. You go through ups and downs together. Um, it's a very emotional game. So, you know, you get together at first. And like you said, Peter, it's a, it's a, a, it's a prearranged marriage uh, that, you know, you know, you're forced to like. And so the first year is kind of a honeymoon year. Like, okay, we're all just happy to be here. This is great. We're going to make this work. But then you go through some tough times, you lose some games, you know, and really, I think it's been the ups and downs of those of these 47 games that draws you closer together so that it's not just a, OK, we're going to make this work. But now I see now I see I really get to see who you are. Now I get to see how you respond under pressure. Now I get to see what you really believe in, because I've seen it tested um, through these things. And, and we have a chance to work through that together as a staff and that's the part of the process in this business that coaches thrive in. You know, you thrive in grinding it out in those meeting rooms about how we're going to come together, what we believe in as a team, what our, what's our philosophy going to be. Um, so that process has been fun. And in Matt Eberflus's case, he is an outstanding man. You know, he's an outst- with high character, high integrity, man, of strong conviction, um, a man's man. So, uh, that's a lot of good dynamic discussions. For those who don't know Matt Eberflus well, he's a guy, he's a guy who's going to get some head coaching interest uh, with some teams. I'm sure he'll get some interviews. If a team calls you and asks you about Matt Eberflus, give me a little idea of what you're going to tell them about him as a football coach and a leader. Uh, I believe to be a, a, a strong leader, you need to have personal, uh, strong personal character and integrity. And he's he's an A plus in that regard. He's an A plus. Um, he's got a clear vision. He's a very good communicator. He's a very good teacher. Uh, he's a man of deep conviction. He's very principle centered. He's very principle centered. You know, he's the kind of guy I can go to. You know, as a head coach. And if I'm trying to decide on, you know, I got to adjust the schedule or, 
hey, there's something we're doing in the off season or something about how we're going to approach something in the season. I can go to Matt. We can talk it through. He's the kind of guy that he always seems to have a, a good answer and a good why behind his answer. Um, he holds players accountable. Um, he's a very smart defensive mind, uh, you know, with a proven track record. Those are all great qualities of, of a leader um, to be a head football coach in this league. Um, I want to ask you just one or two other things about what you've seen this year in a very odd year for football. What's been the toughest thing for you to adjust to as a coach? And, and obviously it couldn't have been too tough. You're 10 and five, but what's been the thing that you have had to adjust to that's made this year the most challenging? Um, I just think the social distancing thing, um, you know, and the virtual thing, while, like you said, Peter, we've made it work. And I think we've become very good at it. Our players especially deserve a ton of credit. But, you know, you've spent your life around the locker room. You spent your life talking to guys. And there's a closeness in that locker room and on that field that it's not just the emotional ties of when it's a physical closeness. There's something, you know, I just believe that that's how we're made. Right. And, and um, in that regard, it's like, we always got to be looking over our shoulder, you know, I'm not, I mean, you just can't do those things like you're used to doing um, at the same level. So there's a part of that, that I think having to take our locker room and split our locker room up, having a team meeting where where we're spread out in a, in a room that's massive, it's like the size of a football field. And I got to get a microphone and speak across a whole football field to a group of men where our normal team meeting room is tight, intimate, you know, we're together. I mean, that, that's the way it's, you're in a huddle, you know, you're like when you get in those team meetings, you know, you want to be, I want to be spitting on you when I'm talking, you know, um, that that's the coach getting up there, getting fired up and intense and, and having to say, excuse me, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to spit on you there, but you're, you're, there's that, it's those moments, right? Those, those, I miss those moments. Um, the closeness, uh, and there's something, it's not just emotional. There's a physicalness, uh, to it as well. That's an incredible answer because I wonder how much of that really gets missed in a year like this. Mike McCarthy asked me the other day, said, what have you thought of the football this year? And I said, really entertaining. And, and, and I said, I think the football has been pretty good. And he goes, well, I, I'm sorry, I don't agree. And because a lot of it is like in your world, you probably see 19 things every game where you said, oh, you know what, we didn't have that walkthrough and so we didn't go over this or we didn't do that. But I'll be honest with you, I've, I've really been entertained by the football this year. W what have you thought of it? I, you know, honestly, I mean, I only know from our perspective. Um, again, I got to credit everyone in this building, starting with the players and the coaches, you know, that we just made a determination that there were going to be no excuses for a step down in quality of how we prepared. And, and while you miss some of the physical closeness that I was talking about from an intellectual side and a teaching side, we've mastered the Zoom. We've mastered the social distancing thing. We've mastered, you know, the one thing about, you know, hey, walking through outside on the grass, everybody wearing masks outside in fresh air, and we're still wearing masks. And, but we're, we can't compromise those reps. Um, you know, we just said we we just tried to set a standard of we're not there's no excuse for for lower quality of football. And um, and I made sure with the coaches, hey, you like even in the off season, and when we got in training camp and we're having to meet via Zoom and stuff like that, where it's your it's your personal challenge. How are you going to keep guys engaged on a Zoom call for however many hours a day you have to do it? I don't know how you're going to do that, but figure it out. Let's figure it out. And to the players, it's like, hey, guys, this doesn't work if you're if this is a one sided conversation. I know we're virtual, but you have to engage. You have to ask questions. 
you have to laugh. We have to be together. It, that those things still can, you know, it's, it's not the same, but there's no excuse. Like Tony Dungy used to say, no excuses, no explanations. Um, let's just get it done. So I really feel like as an organization, Chris Ballard and I have talked about this a lot. That would, that's just going to be the standard that we want to set. Um, two quick questions about the future. Number one, do you expect Philip Rivers to be a Colt next year? Do you think he still wants to play football? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that question we're so focused on this year, but I do expect – I know this. If Phil Rivers wants to play football, um, he can play football. I think he's got multiple years left in him. I think he's playing some of the best football of his career right now. I mean, right now. I mean, he's playing so good. Um, and I love working with him. Now, you know you know his contract situation. He's got a one-year contract. So, right. um, so there will be a time and a place to talk about all that and contracts and you know, all the other dynamics that go into being a 39 year old quarterback and all that other stuff. But I know this, my love and respect for Philip Rivers has done nothing but increase working with him again, respecting what he's done for uh, our team, our organization, the way he's come in and handled himself as a leader. It's been nothing but the very best. And the other thing I wanted to ask you now, keep in mind, this has absolutely nothing to do with what you will do with quarterback in 2021 but I've known you for a long time. You're a people person and you get very close to your players. And I just want to know this, as this season has gone on, you're hundreds of miles away, but does part of you inside you feel for Carson Wentz and what he's been through knowing that you were his coach just three years ago? A hundred percent. I mean, like you said, Peter, and that's not, unique in any way. A lot of coaches get close to their players. But I, I was very close, not just with Carson, with Nick Foles as well, both those guys. And, um, you know, and they both had tough stretches. You know, Nick had a tough stretch down in Jacksonville, um, you know, and now and then up in Chicago, you know, it's been a tough stretch for him. And I'm extremely close with Nick. I'm extremely close with Carson. Um, I, I'll, those guys will be lifelong friends. Like you said, that, that's especially at the quarterback position, there's, a, you know, because of my background and history, uh, you know, and being in that room so much, um, you know, I felt, I felt for Carson this year and what, and not just Carson. I mean, I, I respect that whole organization and, uh, you know, and the experience that I had there was so positive um, and my respect and admiration for Doug Peterson um, and Howie and the whole crew there. Um, but, Certainly my relationship with Carson and Nick was special. And um, I root for those guys. I believe in those guys. I, I believe they're tremendous men, leaders, and players. And I, I always want the best for them. Frank Reich, listen, best of luck this weekend. Whatever happens, you guys, uh, you really had a great season. And uh, somebody is going to get all left out in the cold. I honestly feel for whoever it's going to be. But uh, congratulations on what you've done through 15 games. Thank you, Peter. My thanks to Jamal Adams and Frank Reich. I think very good guests for one of the biggest football weeks of the year. And I appreciate the time of both of them. Um, and I appreciate you listening and watching. Uh, for those who are listening on wherever you can get your podcast, just know that every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, the Peter King podcast can now be seen on uh, NBC streaming service Peacock. So uh, watch us. Watch uh, Jamal Adams. Very, very uh, expressive uh, in his interview. And watch Frank Reich uh, from his office at the Indianapolis Colts Training Center in Indianapolis. Uh, give that a go on Peacock. I think you'll enjoy it. And that's the podcast for the week. Really enjoy having you along for the ride, and it's going to be a really fun Week 17. Enjoy the football, everyone.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.